Hi, I'm Gemma. And I'm Rachel. And this is Modern Soul Speaks, a podcast for the spiritually inclined and curious. We hope to create a community for soul seekers who want to take control of their spiritual health and holistic well-being. Each week, we introduce you to new concepts, techniques and modalities to help all of us become conscious co-creators to live our best and most magical lives. everyone uh, welcome to our podcast so this is the start of our new series on nutritional deficiencies so I'll be talking over what are the common symptoms of a vitamin deficiency what the deficiency is actually doing to the body and what foods you can eat if you suspect you do have a deficiency Brilliant. But first, we need to remind you that like every other podcast, if you love your podcast, I'm sure you've heard it before, but we all thrive off rate, review and subscribes. And because we are so new, it's even more important. So if you're loving what we do, please consider taking a moment. I'll remind you again at the end to before you sort of click away, go review us. And then as a thank you, if you want to screenshot that review, DM us at our Instagram, which is Modern Soul Speaks, and we'll invite you to an event we've got. So we are planning a New Year's event on the 2nd of January, so everyone put that in their diaries. And the event will be basically a a goodbye to the previous year, because boy has it been an interesting year, and a welcome in. (laughs) And that's a massive understatement, isn't it? Yes, isn't it? (laughs) Welcome in to 2021 and sort of introduce you like we'll go through goal setting what dreams you want for 2021 and how we can make the best possible year for you so yeah to say that again make sure that you review us send a screenshot of that review and then we'll send you an invite it's an online event that everybody can attend so time to listen to Rachel's new series I can't wait (laughs) thanks Gemma so a bit of a disclaimer here The following information is not to be taken as medical advice and always, if you feel you may be deficient in something, please do consult with your doctor and ask for relevant tests before taking supplementation. What I'm talking about today is to raise awareness about vitamin deficiency and what food houses which vitamin. Okay, so in addition, it's worth remembering that not every person needs the same amount of vitamins and nutrients uh, and many factors influence vitamin requirements. So that could be things like age, medications, um, food choices, energy intake, any operations that people have had, any diseases. So today we're focusing on vitamin B deficiency. Vitamin B is generally all about the nervous system, brain function and energy levels. Um, It can also be about loss of muscle strength and is also related to tingling feelings in the limbs. So vitamin B is a very, very big umbrella. And I'm going to focus today on some of the more well-known B vitamins just in the interest of time. And maybe if we have some time, we can cover um, the smaller, less well-known ones. So firstly, Gem, does that all make sense? It does to start, but straight away I've already got a question, if that's yeah, okay. of course. What would you say inhibits the absorption of vitamin B, like you mentioned? Yeah, really good question, Gemma. Any sort of medications like the pill, uh, of course antibiotics can interfere with uh, vitamin B uptake. Drinking a lot of alcohol, too much to your coffee and smoking uh, would probably also affect it. And of course stress. Actually, you know, stress affects everything, doesn't it? So, yeah, stress is probably a big one too. 
That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, so if we start with B2, it helps regulate other B vitamins. It's also only somewhat water-soluble, so not well-absorbed, and in fact, B2 deficiency is actually fairly common. So... You might ask, well, what does it do? Okay, well, it aids nerve function. It helps turn food into energy. It would assist red blood cell production. It repairs and maintains skin, hair, nails, eyes, and it helps the liver metabolize toxins as well. Wow, so it does quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. And as as I said, the B vitamins, all about kind of nerve function. It's really important on this one. That's so interesting. So what kind of foods would we find that in? Okay, so... If you think you're deficient in B2, the kind of food sources you'd be looking at would be cabbage, broccoli, uh, mackerel, uh, mushrooms, liver, lamb, wild salmon, eggs. What else What else is in there? Uh, well, you've interestingly put pumpkin, and I cooked that for the first time yesterday, so I feel like I've got a brownie point in the B2 <laughs> baguette. Well done. Thank you. Well done. I suppose, what did you have, what did you have in your, with your pumpkin? Was it a pie? Okay, embarrassment. I had um, Mindful Chef. Yes. And um, so guys, we obviously we record this slightly in advance. It was Halloween here yesterday. So Mindful Chef sent me a pumpkin recipe and I was very in- intimidated even cutting up the pumpkin. Do you, so interestingly, I also go with Mindful Chef and I too think I have a pumpkin recipe that hasn't been looked at yet. But I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> like a curry curry one it's really yeah. nice was it yeah and it's it, it tastes ex- to me I I don't know I've always like you're gonna say about pumpkin pies that to me has got a very particular taste where actually what they've given us tasted more like a sweet potato or it's really nice butternut squash uh see that's more my thing more yeah. my thing I'm not actually a huge fan of the pumpkin taste no, it's really nice, honestly. And trying to convince my husband, like bringing in this giant pumpkin, because all the recipe is it's cut in half. So it's like, yes. here's, here's half a pumpkin with curry in it. <laughs> yeah, he thought it's it was brilliant, brilliant. but he, and he did enjoy it. He was a bit, mm, this could be interesting. And just because it's Halloween doesn't mean you have to make me eat pumpkin, but it was really nice. I recommend it. That's completely <laughs> off topic. I know. Sorry, guys. <laughs> So if people are deficient in B2, what does that mean? What does it, what happens to the body? Sure. Okay. So there's lots of symptoms to do with the eyes. So sensitivity to light, cataracts, gritty eyes. Do you know what I mean by mm, that? Yeah. yeah. Um, conjunctivitis. Um, and that can all be down to lacking in B2. Other symptoms could be cracked lips, bad nails, eczema, mouth inflammation, um, anxiety, and of course, fatigue. Good old fatigue. Good old fatigue. <laughs> there are um, everything. <laughs> everything to do with the B vitamins. Okay, so if we move on to B6, B6 is a natural antidepressant. It helps obviously with energy, brain function, and um, it also helps with hormone uh, production. So it helps balance sex hormones, particularly. God, it's interesting. It does quite a lot then. So could you give us a bit more information on that? Yeah, sure. So for our female listeners, B6 is related to that time of the month. So it alleviates the emotional side of PMS. So that would be depression, irritability, but it doesn't 
affect the physical stuff like the cramps um, breast tenderness things like that um, it's also necessary for the liver to break down estrogen and it helps increase um, progesterone so as we're talking about periods it's worth noting that vitamin k actually lessens the blood and does your bones good as well so a bit of a plug for vitamin k in this one too now if you overdo b6 you can get tingling again it's all part of the nervous system stuff so symptoms are kind of the same whether you have too much or whether you have too little um, you'll get the same and actually that happens with a lot of stuff it's like if you're iron That's deficient so as well you get the same um defi- you get the same symptoms if you're deficient as actually if you have too much so how how do they so in your teaching so I'm going off topic a bit in your teachings obviously like I um I know I've spoken to you about this before Rachel I would love to have real control of my nutrition and know I'm nailing it with what I need yeah but if our body's given us the same signals for both this may be a hard one for you to answer but I guess you have to see a specialist or get blood tests or something. To blood get tests. Information. I would. Wow. I would always suggest um, blood tests if you feel run down and you've got no energy. Uh, it's likely to be a lack of B12. And I'm going to come on to B12. And actually, this is really interesting for you and I, especially because you know we're both vegetarians, um, mm. and I'm allegedly a vegan. You know, I, I'm not. I eat too much cheese for that. But you know, well, it's we're, we're all... team wannabe vegans. <laughs> Part of the cheese. Yeah, yeah we are. Yeah. The cheese. Um, but yeah, I'll come on to B12. But I would definitely say that if anyone is feeling um, very fatigued, it's likely to be, it could be a B, a vitamin B deficiency. So to go to the doctor, to have the blood tests done um, and really get an, an understanding. And the other thing as well is, you know, even if you're slightly deficient, it can make such a world of difference just having some supplementation. And again, you know, I'm not really talking about supplementation in terms of the pill form. I'm talking about what it is that people can eat. So it's a bit more natural to get a little bit of those vitamins back in your diet. And would you say then try and go for organic? Yeah, I always, absolutely. I would always say any food, I try to go for organic uh, everything, which admittedly is ridiculously costly. But, Mm. you know, there's also this thing about the dirty dozen. Uh, It's actually more than a dozen now. But if you were to Google foods that you need to eat that are organic, so organic foods, there's a list of kind of fruit and veg, especially that they say you should go organic with these particular foods because they're dirty. If you've got yeah. chemicals that are being sprayed on those um, fruits, veg, crops, whatever, they're going to be... They're like the worst ones, aren't they? The, yeah, they the are the worst ones. Attract or get the most. And I guess um, I've got some knowledge of that is that they seem to all be like more watery ones or they're more likely to absorb it and keep it longer than other ones. Yeah, I think it must be something to do with like fibrousness. If that's yeah, we're guessing word. this, guys. But yeah, it's, that's definitely yeah, a guess. That's our thing: is we make sure we get the dirty dozen, we get those organic, and then yeah. we just try and get everything else when we when we can afford it. Yeah, absolutely. It's not cheap either. You know, if you no. do try to eat everything organic, it's just not. Sometimes it's just not viable, um, especially towards the end of the month <laughs> yeah. when I'm like, when's payday? <laughs> so five yeah, week months, they're that. fun. <laughs> I'm even cancelling Mindful Chef at that point of the month. (laughs) Okay, so we were talking about B6 
And I think I was saying about you can still get, yeah, the tingling if you overdo B6 or if you underdo B6 as well. So now a really interesting deficiency uh, is actually if you can't recall your dreams. So apparently oh, that's the deficiency of B6. Really? Yeah. Oh, I've got that at the moment. <laughs> that's not good. Do you know, I can't remember any of my dreams ever. No. Apparently it's a sign of cognitive decline as well, but I'm just going to oh, skip no. over that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so you can't recall your dreams. That could be a deficiency of B6. Also tingling hands and the usual sort of stuff, depression, anxiety, nervousness, irritability, confusion, all the stuff that's related really to the B vitamins. Uh, flaky or dry skin is another one as well. So B6 also helps with the uh, synthesis of dopamine. Now, that's associated with the pleasure feeling in the brain um, and also other neurotransmitters. B6 can be found in pork, poultry, fish, peanuts, uh, soybeans, oats, bananas, onions, peppers, sprouts. That's all on B6. Any questions, Gemma, on that one? Does that all make no, sense? that's so interesting. I'm definitely going to have to get myself some B6, though, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Cool. Okay. Right. So if we move on to B9, so B9 is also known as folic acid. So this is quite a common deficiency. So I'm going to get a bit sciencey here and I hope this makes sense. Do stop me if it all gets a bit too much. Okay. So the natural form of B9 is called folate and folate that is immediately usable by the body is called methylfolate. Now that's a key compound for a process called methylation. Okay. Stop there. Okay. Can you tell me what that word is methylfolate is methylation is the process okay so methylation is where your body turns one thing into something else and it's a really important function of the body and you need methylfolate for methylation so the body is constantly changing things it's constantly moving one thing to another um, and it's a, a process that happens throughout your body all day every day and it's called methylation and now to make that process as efficient as possible um, you need methylfolate for that so it's very important that we have that okay okay that makes sense so how do we make sure that our bodies are doing this methylating i'm saying it wrong i'm sure i am properly no, not at all. yeah okay well there's things like gene testing but you don't even need to even go through that okay um, so some people aren't methylating at a gene level but some common symptoms and I appreciate this is difficult because this can be these can be symptoms of a lot of different things, but they could be high blood pressure, hormone imbalances like PCOS, endometriosis, poor circulation, autoimmune disease, energy problems, chronic fatigue, memory problems. And you actually, you know what? You know which book is absolutely brilliant for finding out more about methylation is actually Dirty Genes by Ben Lynch. And I love Ben Lynch. I can't recommend it enough. He's brilliant and it's quite an easy to follow book that talks a lot about methylation and about what you can do if you think you're not methylating properly. Or if you've had one of those gene tests and it's actually come back that, you know, your, your genes that assist with methylation aren't necessarily working too well. So if you have any trouble methylating, you'll want to consume lots of folate so that even if the process isn't efficient, you still end up with all the methylfolate that you need. Okay, so methylation is a massive process in the body and it definitely shouldn't be underestimated. B9 is also helpful for the brain. It's given to elderly people for dementia and it's given to pregnant women um, as it prevents neural tube defects uh, such as spina bifida in the baby. 
We mentioned dopamine earlier, and that's a neurotransmitter in the brain that helps us feel pleasure. So B9 or folic acid helps with healthy gut flora. Now, that provides other things that affect the dopamine. So if you don't have enough healthy gut flora, this can actually affect the dopamine levels in the brain. So what about the dopamine? What's important about that? Okay, so in addition to being the pleasure centre of the brain, dopamine is involved with mood, attention and learning, and really importantly, is actually associated with motivation, drive, worthlessness, hopelessness, inability to handle stress and desire to isolate. So it's really important. It's one of those things that when you feel just not right and you don't want to see people, you feel a bit worthless, you know, might feel like completely lacking motivation, high in procrastination, that could be something to do with your dopamine levels. So having the right level of dopamine or the right balance is really, really important, you know, and they say the gut is the body's second brain. And it's so true. So what's going on in our gut really affects our brain functionality and our neurotransmitters, which directly then affect how we feel. So interesting. It is. It's so, I mean, I love this whole gut brain stuff. You know, I read all the books on it. I find it so interesting. Absolutely love it. And it's so true that, you know, if people, if you eat a pizza and then two hours later you think, okay, how do I feel? And it's just like, okay, maybe I don't feel so great. If you eat kale salad, as irritating as it is, you know, two two hours later, how do you feel? You could be jumping through hoops. It really does. And I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, one mm. is better for you than the other. Obviously, we know that one is. But, you know, it's really interesting if you kind of track your feelings and your moods after you've eaten just for a few days. Um, you can kind of work out what your power foods are and, you know, what your poison foods are, like what's, what's making you thrive and, and what's not. Oh, I like the phrase power foods. That's a nice <laughs> phrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's actually, it's a good one. So deficiency symptoms of B9 or folate um, is reduced sense of taste, anemia, eczema, crap lips, prematurely graying hair, tension, poor memory, poor appetite. I'm going to come back to that. Depression, muscle weakness, numbness and tingles in the feet although the tingles, to be fair, is related to pretty much any of the B vitamins because it's, you know, nervous system related. Uh, But I want to go back to poor appetite, right? I have a B9 deficiency and I do supplement with a really good L-methylfolate. But I'm just going to put it out there. I've never had a poor appetite, ever. So do remember that everybody is different (laughs) and um, you might only have a couple of the list of of deficiencies um, that I'm talking, or symptoms of the deficiency that I'm talking about. Folate can be found in leafy green veg, so spinach, greens, uh, turnip greens, lettuce can also be found in cashews, walnuts, avocados, hazelnuts, sesame seeds, beans and uh, legumes as well. Now, I just want to touch upon the type of folate supplementation that people take. So again, I'm just claiming all of this. I'm not a doctor and I'll suggest that you speak to your doctor and raise this with them. If you are supplementing on your folate levels or if you're if you're you know, if you want to, or if you're going to talk to your doctor um, about this. So the artificial form of B9 is called folic acid. So that is found in supplements, vitamin pills, and fortified foods like bread and cereals. That is unnatural and man-made. Now, Ben Lynch, who is the medical professional that I follow, really rate his work, and I mentioned his book earlier, he has an interesting take on folic acid supplementation, right? So he says that a lot of folic acid supplements actually block natural folate from getting where it needs to, which is obviously to the inside of the cells. 
So this can inhibit the foods that contain the natural methylfolate in getting to where the cell or to where it needs to go, which is basically the cells, right? So a lot of people will take what we call folic acid, and he says it's not doing them any good. And instead, if you look at supplementation, take L-methylfolate instead. Now, as I said, mm. speak to your doctor, or this is all over the internet. If you go to Ben Lynch's website, um, you can find a lot more about that. Or if you get his book, obviously he talks a lot about that there as well. That's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, because really you hear about people being like asked to take folic acid a lot, don't you, as well? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. So, but as I said, I'm no doctor. You know, I'm a health coach, so I would definitely suggest talking to your doctor about that if you are on folic acid or if you're thinking about supplementing. And and have a look at Ben Lynch's website as well. Now, Gemma, on to our favourite, B12. Drumroll, B12. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) one of our most important vitamins, and this is massive advice to vegans. Seriously talk to your doctor about testing and taking a supplement if you need to. Okay, so B12 bolsters the brain, central nervous system, can help with depression. It helps carry, uh, sorry, the blood carry oxygen. It prevents anemia, prevents nerve damage and deficiency signs, obviously a massive lack of energy, sore muscles, poor hair condition, skin issues like eczema, anxiety, tension, irritability and a lack of stomach acid can also mean you have a low absorption rate of B12. So where can B12 be found? Okay, so oysters, sardines, tuna, eggs, milk, chicken, cheese, red meat, salmon, mussels, crab, basically meat and dairy products. So fellow vegetarians and vegans, we usually have to supplement on this one. Actually, something came out the other day. What study? I can't remember what study I was reading, but I was reading something and it was saying about actually how most people, even if they're not vegetarian or vegan, are deficient in B12. Mm. So... I've heard that as well. You know, even if... Yeah, it's just like all of us. Absolutely. So even if you're not a vegan or vegetarian, if you're feeling severe fatigue, as I said, go to the doctor, get the blood tests done. Now, I also want to make a point about choline. So that is also something that most vegans and vegetarians are deficient in too. So choline is found in eggs, red meat, poultry, fish, liver, organ meats, um, all that sort of stuff. Now, you can also get choline from some vegetables such as, you know, spinach. So just keep that in mind. That's also something that vegetarians and vegans need to be aware of. So one other thing I want to mention here is uh, glutathione. Okay, so you can take B12 until it is literally coming out of your ears in supplementation form, but if your body can't transport it to where it needs to go around the body, that's when you need glutathione, all right? So it also helps uh, with dopamine and serotonin as well. It's a key part of the methylation process that we mentioned earlier, and another function of glutathione is to protect vitamin B12 from reacting with toxins, Okay, so when B12 reacts with toxins, it basically just can't perform its metabolic tasks. Now, glutathione, just from personal experience, because I take glutathione, uh, it tastes pretty bad. It tastes really bad, actually, um, but it does some amazing things. And it also does some stuff with, with thyroid as well. So it's definitely a supplement worth researching or discussing with your doctor. I would definitely suggest that glutathione's a, a good one. Gemma, does that all make sense? Yes, it does. Very interesting. Thank you, Han. Excellent. Okay. So I think we've got time. Okay. And if we do, 
Would you mind giving us a super quick overview of the other vitamins? Because I know there's a few more, isn't there? Oh, gosh, yeah. Okay, I'll give you a quick... Um, I'll try and give you a quick overview in the, in the interest of time and so not to bore anybody with all the science. Uh, sorry, everyone. <laughs> okay, so deficiencies in some of the other B vits, so B1, B3, B5, uh, they're all quite rare. And I'll give you a quick overview. So vitamin B1, again, all about energy production and digestion, brain stuff... Uh, so a deficiency uh, symptom could be poor concentration, poor memory, irritability, obviously the tingling hands, a rapid heartbeat, maybe eye pain and twitching, nausea, fatigue. If you wish to eat more B1, you can get that from the likes of cauliflower, peas, beans, marmite, tahini, nutritional yeast and whole grains like oats and barley. It's worth mentioning here specifically that alcohol makes it really difficult for the body to absorb um, vitamin B1. Vitamin B3, if we move on to that one. So again, all about brain function, energy production. But it's also about DNA repair, balancing blood sugar levels. It helps digestion, it helps nerves, controls cholesterol, helps with dementia. So a deficiency, apart from like the standard lack of energy, could be headaches, migraines, could be poor memory, tension, depression, also tender gums, acne and, and eczema. So you can find B3 in... Tuna, chicken, salmon, mushrooms, courgettes, mackerel, beef, liver. And if you over, by the way, if you are taking vitamin B3 for some reason, if you over supplement on this and take it excessively, it can be toxic. But obviously, B3 from foods is obviously safe. So, B5. Our gut bacteria may produce a little bit of B5 on their own. Uh, it helps release energy from food that you eat. So it's instrumental in energy production. It also controls fat metabolism. And as with the others, brain function, nerves, etc., also helps produce anti-stress hormones. And it helps maintain healthy skin and hair. So a deficiency could look like muscle cramps, tingling, tender feet, apathy, poor concentration, exhaustion after fairly light energy expenditure that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be exhausted after, and interestingly, um, teeth grinding for B5. Mm. Uh, and you can find B5 in watercress, broccoli, avocados, yogurt, corn, sweet potatoes, um, and egg yolk as well. So I'll also talk a little bit about B7, uh, biotin. So... This helps the body convert food into energy. It also keeps skin, hair, eyes, liver kind of good. It's, you know, nervous system, obviously. Uh, not enough of it can result in dry skin or rashes, a loss of appetite. Again, I've never had that. Uh, I'm sure I've had a biotin uh, <laughs> deficiency at some point in my life. Anyway, um, conjunctivitis, depression. And it's also in pregnancy really important for um, embryonic growth as well and it's apparently it's linked to hair loss um, as well but that's actually I just want to say that that's not necessarily proven but it apparently it's linked to hair loss so food sources organ meats liver kidneys that sort of thing nuts so pecans walnuts nut butters cauliflower bananas mushrooms also worth noting here some vitamins do better either raw or after being heated so in this instance cooking can render b7 ineffective so raw or less processed versions of of this um of these foods basically contain more active biotin god that's so interesting does that all make sense Gemma? yeah yeah definitely it's like a whistle stop tour sorry no don't worry <laughs> um, i think when we do instagram maybe we'll list all of this out we'll do a kind of 
what that vitamin does. And um, we've got a an amazing graphic designer, Jodie, who will create this for us. So Jodie, this is your next <laughs> job. Um, the vitamin, what foods and maybe sort of what the ailments are so people can go back later. Sure. And really pinpoint. Absolutely. I might just do the, the major ones um, rather than the kind of the, yeah. the lesser ones that we've that we've talked about, just otherwise it'll be absolutely massive. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to blow people's minds too much. So that would be my next thing. If people need to focus, my next question to you, on just the main sort of supplements, what would you suggest? Okay, good question. So firstly, it's worth saying, obviously, always follow your doctor or the supplement brand's recommendation. But one thing I would say is to take your B vitamins in the morning, so or at least five hours before bedtime, as some of them can really interfere with your sleep. Um, Sorry, but back to your question. Okay, so people recommend a B complex usually um, as a vitamin, so that's all of it. So you don't upset the balance. But personally, I think, you know, if you're deficient in one particular type of B vitamin, I personally would start there. However, as I said, that's just what I would do. And I would definitely suggest speaking to your doctor before supplementing. Are there certain supplements that you need to take with other supplements? Yes, and that's a really good point. So for B vitamins, magnesium, and I think potentially zinc as well, I need to check that, would enhance um, absorption rates. But there are other interesting ones that it may be worth mentioning here too. So if you take uh, turmeric or curcumin, for example, which is brilliant at reducing inflammation in the body, take it with black pepper. And that increases absorption. So another one, iron, take that with vitamin C. So maybe, I don't know, some some orange um, oranges or something like that to increase absorption. And obviously with iron as well, supplements, any iron supplements shouldn't be taken with the likes of milk, caffeine or calcium supplements um, as that can decrease the amount of iron that's absorbed. So is that literally you shouldn't use caffeine or milk to take the tablet or is it like you should reduce that the whole time you are taking iron throughout the no, day? No, I would say like anywhere near you taking the iron, don't eat those. Mm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So another thing I'm very aware of, especially because we're veggie, both of yeah. us veggie vegans, yeah. um, I know that a lot of different practitioners have different views around um, what we should eat and particularly animal products. Um, can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, okay. So my homeopath, which full disclosure is also my mother, uh, is absolutely <laughs> horrified that I'm a vegan. Uh, she thinks that animal produce is essential within the body and has said to me before that you can be vegan for about five years before your body will start to notice the effect of it. But my sister, who is also a health practitioner, she's been a vegetarian since she was a child, um, but she does eat the occasional odd other animal product. And look, you know, my argument is that we're all different and some people just do better without dairy and meat. So my mum, my homeopath, has stopped haranguing me uh, about it a few weeks ago. And I asked why the other day and she responded that it was because of how much cheese she's seen me eat. So she isn't worried (laughs) that I'm a real vegan, Um, which I guess... like you're surviving off cheese. I know, which I guess is true. So I must be the only vegan out there with a cheese addiction. But um, on a serious note, I really do go against having labels for people. So yes, I'm 90% plant-based on a good week. But if I want cheese or if I want something with dairy in it, I'll have it. Now, meat is a little bit more sort of tricky for me. I wouldn't necessarily eat it. If I'm desperate for meat, I know I'm either craving protein or iron. Um, And to be honest, it's only when I've got my period. But 
And you know, Gemma, we've had this conversation before. It's all about bio-individuality. So what suits one and maybe their power food is absolute poison to somebody else. So we're all different. We've all got different bodies. We have different experiences with disease within the body. We have different intolerances. We've got different gut flora. Uh, So it makes sense that different styles of eating are more beneficial for some and not for others. And also, you'll know this, Gemma, probably better than, you know, I can talk to, but also, if intuitively you know what your body doesn't want in terms of food, and you know it's likely to be right. If you thrive on meat, eat it. If you work better as a vegetarian or plant based, just eat that. Like it's all about what makes you thrive. And also, your intuition is usually right. Like I've never liked mushrooms. I've always hated them. I don't like the taste. I don't like the texture. But When I did a test, because you can also get these amazing tests done on my gut flora, and they talk about your power foods and your poison foods, and apparently mushrooms is one of my poison foods. Now, how would I have known that? You know, I've never taken mushrooms. I don't like them, as I said. I do take the supplements um, because they do do some amazing things for your body. Um, But, you know, that's one of my poison foods. I mean, that could be your power food. Do you know what I mean? But I've never liked them. I've never touched them. I don't like eating them, you know. And again, maybe that's just down to intuition. Mm, so definitely. Yeah. So, you know, that's interesting. And then also, I mean, when I was in Australia, and I'll just mention this point too. So when I was in Australia, I used to see a nutritionist and I actually know a couple of people like this and similar things have happened. But she was a vegetarian and she would, until she did her nutrition qualifications and then she started eating meat. So that's interesting because for me, I went the other way. I was kind of a meat eater and then actually I did my uh my qualifications and stuff and I was like you know I mean I didn't really like meat anyway but I was like okay I'm I'm wanting to go plant-based now and did did you both do the same qualification no or very similar no no she would have done something a lot uh earlier than than I did but I think hers was a lot more I mean she was a dietary she was a nutritionist sorry and I'm obviously a nutrition coach and the way that I've been taught is a lot more around bio-individuality. So it's about how people right. feel and what we do to make people, you know, feeling their best in their bodies. You know, it's not... So it's very different teaching. It's very so. different, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, can I ask, you mentioned about craving meat. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So personally, like my body said didn't want meat. It actually didn't want meat for years. But I force fed it anyway because I was working out at the time and I thought I needed um, a lot of meat for protein and to build strength. Um, And this was years ago before being plant-based had quite the following it does now. Um, And I also had numerous PTs over the years that really encouraged me to up my protein levels. Um, and I would never touch red meat or fish so it was all chicken turkey and eggs and I was so tired of it and you know it's not actually optimal living or good for the gut flora to be eating the same thing and therefore you know you lack diversity in the diet it's really good for your gut flora to experience a whole host of different foods eating the same thing day in day out actually can lead to a bit of an intolerance and the gut flora doesn't really like it too much but Anyway, then I stopped eating meat in 2019, early 2019. And since, if I have had meat, like when I've craved it, you know, just for my period or something, I feel like rubbish for about two days. It just doesn't sit well with me. And it now gives me IBS-like symptoms. I don't enjoy it. I don't feel great afterwards. I feel really sluggish. Um, Yeah, I'm just, I'm 
just not good on it. As I said, somebody else though could eat meat and it could be a power food for them. So, you know, as I said, it's all about bioindividuality. So, but I would say that I am careful, really careful at the minute that if I eat any dairy products, they're organic and um, like butter would come from grass-fed cows, you know, that sort of thing. But Gemma, you know, you eat predominantly plant-based. How long have you been a vegetarian for? And was there like a particular moment for you when you decided to do that? Oh, I was, I was, a, I was born wanting to be vegetarian. So my sisters are 12 years older than me. So all I can presume is um, you're going to be influenced by those around you, yeah. aren't you, when you're very, very young. So uh, my parents were meat eaters when I was very very young it was a mixed grill you don't really see that anymore do you remember the mixed yeah, grill it's like a giant plate of meat now I just that's a nightmare <laughs> in my world but I would quite happily eat that back then um, but as soon as I realized what my sisters were eating and understood why they had chosen not to eat meat um, you know I take I, I'm an animal it's for the animals yeah. And I was, as soon as I considered that, so it's not for my diet at all, it was for the animals. I asked my parents at the age of five to be vegetarian. They weren't having any of it because they were very much in the teaching of vegetarian, vegan makes you ill. Yeah. So I was in an agreement with them on my 18th birthday, I would be vegetarian. And boy, were they unimpressed (laughs) that I followed that. So on my... What's that? 17 and 364 days. I ate a lifetime supply of chicken nuggets, (laughs) literally, which now I'm just like, did I really need to do that? And then, yeah, from 18, so 20 years, I've been vegetarian. And that came so naturally to me. I was, like I said, I was basically born veggie. I was ready from the word go to be vegetarian. Um, Yes, I'd say I'd be 12. I forget to have it. Then I remember I get the symptoms vegan I mean Rachel were the same like I I struggle with veganism I find it's reducing my diet too much and I'm letting there's so much good um extras you can have now so it's a lot easier than it would have been when I originally tried but I almost have to watch uh food ink or something to really focus in and say that's it I'm not vegan but after a few months I kind of bring the cheese back in so that's why I wouldn't say I'm full vegan um I don't really have dairy other than cheese my dairy is veggie milks veggie butters um so I don't have eggs anymore that stopped recently I mean I've I had them with you the other day um and it was nice and it's the first time I've had them for ages but I don't need them like I'm fine not to have them yeah so it's a bit different it's not for my diet it's it's for the animals. That's lovely. I think been. that's lovely. And also, you know, if you don't, especially if it's not a hardship giving something up, like I don't I don't drink um, cow's milk, so all my milks are, you know, mm. um, almond milk, essentially, mainly almond milk. And I don't miss it at all, you know, and it just makes just giving it this stuff up or, or having an alternative, it just can be really easy. I know one of the things that I was told, so I studied kinesiology a long time ago and that's got a big nutrition base yes. to it. And my kinesiology teacher would say, it's not like you should restrict everything, you just need to rotate your foods. Yeah, it's so true. And so she'd be like, there's nothing wrong. If someone's favourite food is cow's milk... Yeah. 
and you're not exactly going to convince them otherwise anytime soon, just ask that they rotate. And I think that's a really nice... And they, I think most people can understand that. Then they get a bit of everything. Absolutely. And again, it's about that diversity in the diet that I just think is so important. And we underplay that. You know, again, when I had one of these tests done, and obviously that came back and said about the mushrooms not being a power food, being a bit of a poison food for me, it came it also came out with um, onions, peppers and eggs were also um, sort of these poison foods. Now, it's worth mentioning that these can change. So, you know, if you cut that out of your diet for, say, three months and then kind of gradually edge them back in, they might not be poison foods after that. But, and I'll talk in another podcast actually about this testing because it is really interesting it's quite scientific well it's so scientific but it's really interesting the results are you know incredible but you know I looked at some of the things that were on my poison list you know the list of things I should avoid and that's what they call it they call it an avoid list and on that was the things that I had been eating every single day for the last 10 years you know MCT oil coconut oil you know that's what I'd been cooking with for for years and you know, having onion or, well, onion and pepper omelette sort of every single day for last... Now, I know for some people, they're just like, oh, God, how could you eat the same thing day in, day out? But actually, for me, I don't really mind that. It's actually easier for me because I know exactly what I'm doing. I don't need to think about it. I'm not a massive cook, not a massive food lover either. So, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's a really interesting way of seeing, you know in practice or in scientific theory behind we do need to have a diverse diet yeah i agree i just want to say when i'm checking my facts or looking for new information um because there's always new information i just wanted to give you a list of the my go-to names and i want to obviously credit them and their their materials because i do fact check with these um with their resources a lot and i learn every day so from the likes of ben lynch patrick holford datis karazian uh mark hyman frank lippman And I would say to anybody looking to do their own research into their health, these are really good health practitioners to follow. They've all got great books and they are brilliant medical minds. And so with that in mind, uh, if we move on to our shares for the week, Gem, I want to move on to my uh, amazing find, which is this book by Frank Lippman, How to Be Well. It's packed full of information. It's not medical at all. Okay, so it's not too dry, um, but it's a brilliant resource and I think a really good Christmas gift as well to buy for people. Um, It's just very high level, reminds you of all the good things that you should be doing. It's got some cool information in there as well that people may not have heard about before. I think I got my my copy from Amazon and I doubt it's any more than like 15 quid. So that's my share for the week. Gemma, what's your share for our listeners? Well, um, both of us, I'd say, we're quite course addicts, aren't we? Learning, sapping in, sponging in as much spiritual, health, nutrition, wellness information as we possibly can. I'm currently every Tuesday night doing a course called uh, an astrology course, and it's called Learn to Read Your Birth Chart. Wow. And it's, I generally haven't really seen that before. It's a six-week course, two hours every Tuesday. I'm sure future courses could be on other dates, other times, things like that. It's with, so I work or do events for a company called She Source Control, which I'm sure a lot of people listening know. Francesca Oddi, who is running this course, is the astrologer, or one of the many astrologers for She Source Control. Her Instagram is Francesca Oddi Astrology. Okay, and all of this information and Rachel's books will put in the 
information about this podcast so it'll be there for you so don't worry I won't start spelling out the names or anything but it's so interesting um I've always I love to know the answers to things so to see these charts that look very complex and have Francesca working through them really slowly with us each week understanding our own birth charts you know especially with like so what we were saying before, it's Halloween, guys. Halloween evening, we were all told we're due to go back into a lockdown again very soon. Mm. Literally Thursday, you're going to be watching this, hopefully, when we've just come back out. But let's... I'm not going to commit to that because who knows <laughs> if we are out by the time you're listening to this. But it's the perfect time, lockdown, the focus we can have on stuff like our personal development. So that's why I'm suggesting a little course. And I'm sure Francesca's going to do it again in the future. And if you guys have the time I would definitely recommend it. Gemma that sounds amazing that's really interesting. It's really inspiring um and I'm starting to now go oh so my moon is there and therefore it means this and I'm only on week two. Oh, that's brilliant. So let's see where I am on week six fingers crossed <laughs> we'll see but yeah thank you Rachel that was such an interesting session today. Thank you. Um guys we will be back next week but just a little reminder before we go don't forget that rate, review and subscribe. And our main one at the moment is please, please, please uh, give us a nice, sparkly, happy review if you can. If you do, if you've got the time, send us a screenshot at Modern Soul Speaks. And we will invite you to our New Year's event on the 2nd of January. Okay, so we'll see you next week. See you later, everyone. Bye, Bye. guys.